0: Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. And welcome to the 516th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspectives of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me over at jerseysportsnews.com, talking about the world of New York Red Bulls and everything else. Come on in. The chat room is open. You can talk amongst yourselves if you like. you have a question for me, I'll try to answer to the best of my ability. I will get to what I want to get to later in the show, but I have to rave about what Greg Berhalter just did last night in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, the first sellout. I know it was not by the the Las Vegas Raiders, it was by both Mexico and U.S. men's national teams. Greg Berhalter did something I never thought I would see a manager do. In the weird and wacky season of the coronavirus, where you have the Nations League final this past June, And then the CONCACAF Gold Cup Tournament that started this past July and then going into the first day of August. The United States defeating Mexico not once, but twice for CONCACAF hardware. Who would have thought to have seen this coming? The majority of the players in the Nations League final against Mexico, mostly coming from their clubs in Europe. And the majority of the roster from Major League Soccer involving players who have never played a single minute in international cup competition. At the same time, you had maybe a couple here or there who do play in Europe, like Gio like Matthew Hoppe and Reggie Cannon who have never ever played a single minute with each other along with MLS players who are developing and becoming great, great players right in front of us Played some good defense. Matt Turner with solid goalkeeping. And granted, they've had chances. They couldn't put anything away. Paul Ariola, who had a great opportunity in the first half, nailed the base of the near post and out. You can complain about Giassi Zardes, but the truth is that opportunity he had, even though he missed, was offside. The flag went up. You have to say right now is simply put this way. The talent that's in Major League Soccer right now is improving and doing better. And I understand clearly that most of you are not in favor of this. Well, you know what? Let me just say this right now. Too bad. Some way, somehow, if you want these players that are performing at MLS level right now to be considered part of a U.S. men's national team for World Cup qualifying or for the next Gold Cup or for the next Nations League tournament and the World Cup itself, you want these players to be considered the best of the best to get that opportunity in Europe? Where are they going to get the minutes for this to happen? Tell me where. You tell me where these players are going to get their respective minutes to play in Europe. Not everyone is a Matthew Hoppe. Not everyone is a Christian Pulisic. Not everyone is a Nicholas Giochini. Do you understand? You can claim anything and everything all you want. And I, believe me, I don't want to be in this argument. I try my best not to be in this argument because I know that in this argument, It's unwinnable because those of you that are yelling and screaming, I don't count MLS because it's not a real league, because they don't have all the mechanisms that Europe does, that everywhere around the world does. And I understand that, and I – believe me, I preach it myself. I preach it myself. I want to see the changes. I want to see MLS and all levels ...of professional American soccer... ...evolve. But... ...what you need to understand... ...simply put... ...is this. If our players are not going to get the minutes... ...in Europe... ...where are they going to get the minutes... ...to play? You tell me where. And... ...until you give me a rational... ...level-headed answer... I might agree with you. This is why MLS was born. To give those players. That has that certain je ne sais quoi. That's French by the way. To give them the minutes to hone their skills. To practice and to refine their skills. To become those players. That will perform in Europe. And then come into the national team give and take and let me just say this right now Miles Robinson who scored that match that game winning goal against Mexico who was his manager in his first two years with Atlanta United who was his manager who was his manager where Atlanta United in their second season in MLS won the MLS Cup championship who was his manager Tata Martino, who is currently the manager for Mexico for their men's national team. Tata Martino, the man who has managed Lionel Messi at Barcelona in La Liga in Spain and on the Argentinian national team. That man, I give a lot of respect to. That man who I believe is one of the best managers in world football for the first time ever. And I bet you his ego is hurt like hell, getting trumped by Greg Berhalter, not once, twice, for CONCACAF glory. Now, at this moment in time, the Federation of Mexican Football has not sacked him Even though Hugo Perez has already said, or is it Hugo Sanchez? I think it was Hugo Sanchez, I believe. He has already said, on ESPN Deportes, he should be fired. I don't know if that man, Hugo Sanchez, has um, enough clout anymore to dictate what Mexican football should be doing or not. But I will say this, he still has 14 matches to go to qualify for the World Cup, and that starts a full month from today. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Do you understand what I'm trying to explain to you, everyone? Do you understand the meaning of... If we are going to be good in this sport, if we are going to be the ones that are going to be the first CONCACAF nation to win the Gold Cup, excuse me, I shouldn't have said that, the first CONCACAF nation to win the World Cup itself, we need players here in the States. That can translate and transition to Europe. Do you understand? We need these players to play in our leagues. To get to MLS. Homegrown players. Doesn't matter where they come from. It does not matter who they are, where they are, or what they do. All that matters is this. They have to wear the jerseys that are colored red, white, and blue. And this is what U.S. soccer also has to do. They cannot alienate nor discriminate against solid players that want to wear that kit of the red, white, and blue. I don't care where they come from. I don't care how they do it. I don't care what they take or what it takes for them to get to the national team level. If you are old enough, you are good enough. We must remember, if it's not for Major League Soccer, some of those players on our national team roster for this Gold Cup do not get selected. And that is the truth. We should be grateful that we have the opportunity and the availability of professional clubs in Major League Soccer proper minutes to those players, whether it is in an academy level, a USL level, and when they finally get to the MLS level that they are able to go out and they're able to play. And I'm not arguing the fact that we need to change the situation here at home. I understand all that. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, we cannot poo-poo on MLS anymore. You still want to argue some of the minor things or the finer things that makes this league better? Fine. You go ahead and do that. That's fine. That's not my complaint. My complaint is... Stop not recognizing up-and-coming players playing in Major League Soccer that are able and available for the U.S. men's national team because if they do not get that opportunity to be in MLS, they will not make the move to Europe to be on the national team roster. And if you continue to ignore MLS on the way they are helping the player pool for the national team improve and do better, well then, that is on you. That is on you, the ignorance and the stupidity, because you think MLS is not a real league. It is. The mechanisms of some of the things are off and not right. But what does it do, number one? The most important thing, the most important thing is that it helps give minutes to those players that do want to make the move to Europe, that wants to play internationally for our men's national team. And it's also up to U.S. soccer to recognize that talent and give them that opportunity in friendlies, hell, in one of these Gold Cups, any tournament available to them. And we hope, I hope, soon it will translate to winning our first ever FIFA World Cup. Great show for you tonight. Dwayne Rollins will join me talking about Canada. Watch out for Canada. They're going to be a new favorite here in World Cup qualification. And then we'll talk about the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, with Greg Berhalter, and we'll get to that in a moment. But first things first, it was announced uh, last week on Wednesday by TQL Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. Dos The World Cup qualifying home match between the United States and Mexico in November on the 12th, on Friday night, will be at TQL Stadium. To join me to talk about that, of course, from Cincinnati Soccer Talk, Boston Brazzle. Boston I got to ask you this number one question, the most important question ever. In your American soccer loving life, when that announcement was made on Twitter, social media, what did you and what did the boys of Cincy Soccer Talk thought when TQL Stadium was granted the permission to have that major match? come to your grounds? Uh, we didn't believe
1: it at first. Uh, we had heard some rumors and we said, no way, it's Costa Rica. Everybody's mishearing it or getting the rumors wrong. Uh, we're not that lucky. We're Cincinnati. We can't. We can't get this game. Um, so, you know, we've all been, you know, luckily for us, in the last, you know, decade, we've been able to go down the road. And... uh and watch the game in Columbus. So I've already counted it fortunate. The game's played probably, you know, the best, in my opinion, American uh, game um, has been played in in Columbus. And so to get that game, whew, I mean, a stunner, I think, and uh, props to whoever pulled that off uh, here in Cincinnati.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I have to tell you, I as soon as lower.com field opened I said to myself that okay the last game at historic Crew stadium was a loss yeah did not qualify was there. did it was not painful. qualify for the world cup yep did not qualify for Russia for 2018 where are we going to move this match is it going to be somewhere else honestly I did not think Cincinnati, not because I don't think you guys deserve it, you know, but
1: we didn't exist.
0: Keep it exactly, because you were still at Nippert at the time before TQL was opening and ready to go. But to keep it in the state of Ohio, and just move it down the road, down the interstate. I mean, that must have been the biggest shocker of your life and everyone else in Cincinnati?
1: Oh, sure was. Um, we were just a gleam in the USL's eye back at the time and never thought uh, we would be at the stage really this fast even to host the very next one. Um, I'm not a believer that it has to be in Ohio, that it has to be at Crew Stadium, um, whichever Cruise Stadium that is. Uh, I don't think it's a birthright that you get Um the US Mexico game. I know I think I think eventually it will head to Minnesota and St. Louis and wherever else. And that's fine. Um, any state I think that can can give the US a, a fighting chance at home field advantages is, is a cool factor and something I think that the bigwigs in charge have to consider. Because this game can, as you can see, you know, from the US Mexico game we just watched, it can sell out in an NFL venue. If money's the only objective, you know, put it in the biggest city, put it in L.A. and uh, and uh, let it play out. Um, but that's not the goal here. The goal is to give the United States the best competitive advantage. And in my opinion, this cycle, Cincinnati's probably your place.
0: That's absolutely correct. And you know, hopefully, we'll see if it does return to Columbus in the next. Uh, um, well, not this. Not the next. Qualifying cycle because we'll be hosting along with Mexico and Canada, but after 2026, but still, though um, What has Subs and the Weigels yourself? Have you become now the official party planners for this big time match? (laughs) Have you guys already, you know conversed with the diehard supporter section of FC Cincinnati that big wall in the northern end? I believe it is to the walking parade route before the match, the walk to the match. Will there – whoops, I just – I'm so excited about this. I started dropping stuff. I can't believe this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is exciting. You know, we're planning um, – to answer your question,
1: we're planning some cool stuff. Uh, we got a long way to go, so we're not 100% sure what it looks like yet, but you can expect us to be out uh, probably setting up a virtual studio <laughs> in the mix and then – um, you have, uh, that wall's already starting to undergo some planning. Uh, I'm sure American outlaws will take over a chunk of it. FC Cincinnati supporter groups have already been allocated or will be allocated a percentage of tickets as well. So you'll see kind of what we, we've already got a little bit of a taste. We had 30,000 plus show up for a U.S. women's friendly with the men have played here before, um, once before. So we have a little bit of taste working with, Um, AO and all the um, changes and details that come with that this will be bigger it will be probably more scrutiny so the supporter groups and everybody will have to work together on that and uh, you can bet we will be out there covering every inch of it
0: oh I bet you will be what has been the buzz uh in Cincinnati itself now we know it's Baseball season right now, the Reds are going on soon. Training camp is getting underway with the Bengals. I mean, obviously, FC Cincinnati's not having a good regular season currently at the moment. But still, though, what have you sensed about Cincinnati itself? And even in the suburbs, whether it is on the Ohio side of the river or in the Kentucky side of the river— I mean, obviously, you're going to get people coming from Louisville. I know you don't like those Louisville people. I know what goes on <laughs> over there. But they're going to be wearing red, white, and blue that day. So what mm-hmm. is the sense you're getting from the, from the city itself, the non-soccer fans that know, oh, my God, we're getting the biggest international soccer match in this region?
1: Well, if you didn't know, if you're not a soccer fan in Cincinnati, you know. It was the front page of the newspaper. It's been on local news every night. It is the story. So when you, when you live in a town that's kind of a big city, but kind of a small city in a way, then this becomes the biggest deal. And so, um, it's gotten the attention it deserves locally. I think you'll see ticket prices that are probably astronomical because Who's who of Cincinnati, whether you're a soccer fan or not, will want to try to go along with all of the other regions that are U.S. soccer fans and Mexico fans and anyone else that's fighting over the scraps that are on the resale market. So you'll see some high prices. Uh, locally, it will be a really big deal. Um, if you're visiting and you're a U.S. fan listening to this, I think you'll have a great time. We know how to party. We, even when we're losing, um, free win, FC Cincinnati that has yet to win at their home stadium. Bill sold out this last Saturday match um, versus D.C. United. So our downtown's packed. Um, it's a fun time, and it is, it's going to be a heck of a party.
0: Oh, I bet it will be. It'll be probably till midnight or even later. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, dare I even ask this question, but I probably will anyway. Okay. Has Skyline Chili... Going to be the official tailgating meal of the fans.
1: <laughs> official chili of U.S. Soccer, hopefully. Um,
0: <clears throat>
1: <laughs> but yeah, on, uh, it'll it'll definitely be in play. It's uh, it's it's a frequent FC Cincinnati fan post game tradition. I know many a uh, supporter group fans that hit up uh, Skyline after the after the match. There are oh, I think three or four locations downtown as well as one inside the stadium so you can get all the Skyline fix you want.
0: That's absolutely correct. One day I'm getting over there to Cincy and I'm going to have some Skyline chili and I'm going to enjoy it. I cannot wait for that moment when it does happen. Um, you know, we all know there's a bunch of good brew bars in downtown Cincinnati. You know more of it than I do, obviously, but you know, once again, this has to be like a the dream come true. You know, tick the box. TQL Stadium. Honestly, did you expect this this type of a friendly? And no, I shouldn't say it's a friendly; it's a war. But did you expect yeah. this type of match to come this quickly? Oh, we knew we we knew we were
1: going to get something. But you know, honestly. Um, Qualifier I did not know was in the running. um I know that Cincinnati was, and probably it still is. I'm not sure how much a qualifier um hurts or helps it, but is still in the running for a World cup game in paul Brown stadium um mm-hmm. so that's still we are still on the short list of cities. I think they will be narrowing that down this fall a little bit more. We could get knocked out. the qualifier could be our bone in a way and so um i don't know if you'll see a world cup match or not in cincinnati i'm i'm almost more happy that it's in our soccer stadium that 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 we got this wall you know world cup qualifier will i take a world cup game in paul brown i certainly will but um tql no that's an awesome first big event And, and, and i don't even know how you top that There's no international friendly you can do, really, that beats U.S.-Mexico in a World Cup qualifying match, especially after the game we just had. You know that's going to be like revenge is going to be the theme
0: for Mexico. That's very true. Very, very true. And, I mean, who would have thunk it, actually? I didn't even see this coming uh, with this Gold Cup final. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to see our kids win. I want to see our boys win to win a, a championship. But to defeat... To see Greg Berhalter defeat Tata Martino in two consecutive CONCACAF Championship finals, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I've said this already. To me, Tata Martino is one of the best managers in all of world world soccer, world football. He's managed Lionel Messi at the club level at Barcelona, the international level uh, in, with Argentina. You know, he brought an MLS championship to Atlanta United in their second season. Um, He is now managing Mexico, and it's just amazing to see the credentials that Martino has. And he gets beaten by Greg Berhalter, where there's been so much scrutiny with him. It's just amazing what Greg Berhalter has done in 2021.
1: You know, I'm with you. I, I I wasn't the greatest... Berhalter believer when it first happened. I think those of us that have watched the U.S. team, we we just have absorbed this this these years of critical thinking and uh, I guess general pessimism. And it's now time to just kind of shake that out of our feathers because if this isn't enough proof that the team is on the right track, then and you, and 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 you still want to be a pessimist, I mean, this is coming from a Cincinnati sports fan with years of pessimism built in. Um It's time. It's time to get rid of it because um, the fans need to believe in this team. I think the team finally believes in the team and, and the system that's in place. I'll admit I was wrong. They've made some changes, and it's working.
0: It really is. And I remember one time, and I've been on your show twice, I know you weren't on there at the time, maybe the second, well, maybe the second one with Subs running the show, but when the talks were going on about building a stadium for soccer in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. the one thing I said, the most important thing is not just to have FC Cincinnati have their own stadium to play in. Mm-hmm. But the big moment is to have a U.S. men's national team match At the same time a World Cup qualifier I said that I remember I, That's I remember right. saying that That's right The second time I came on your show And I cannot believe my words went to straight to God's ears And he told <laughs> Soccer House in Chicago Let them have it it's, You're and right you It's it. such
1: a good place it's such a good place for that. It's it's a safe haven. I think it is. I think it's a safe haven. You, you you've got a salt of the earth kind of people down here, and then um, you just got the right dynamics. The tickets are going to be sold before they ever the the real market. Um, That's right. Cincinnatians already fill that stadium. They love soccer. They'll be there, and I think you have less right. likelihood for you know people to throw those back on the market it's uh it's a good strategy and it's one it's one they've already proven in columbus i don't want to give um columbus too bad of a rap they've already proved it works there but um i think here we can amplify that strategy
0: oh absolutely and i cannot wait when it's going to happen friday night november the 12th that match so far not a tv uh broadcaster yet We'll find out going forward, but we'll find out once it gets announced on U.S. Soccer's website. Boston, as always, thank you for joining me tonight. I always appreciate you coming on, uh, talking about Cincinnati and soccer. And I will talk to you again soon, hopefully uh, before the qualifier.
1: Oh, I'm sure we will. Thanks for having me on. Yes, we
0: will. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Boston Brazzles, Cincinnati Soccer Talk. They're getting dos Acero. They're getting... The big border war in the South. It's gonna be fun and exciting. Join me right now from Toronto, Ontario, in Canada, Dwayne Rollins, 24th minute blog Soccer Today Show with Kevin Laramie Sports Podcasting Network, talking about Canada's fantastic, exciting run in this past CONCACAF Gold Cup. Dwayne, welcome back. Let me ask you this. Obviously, Players on this CONCACAF Gold Cup roster for Canada proved to me that they have evolved, they've grown up, they are now officially a threat. Not just what they've been doing in the opening round and second round of World Cup qualification, but they are showing that they don't care who's in front of them, and they will knock your teeth in. Yeah, they
2: play brave, and that's not something that... uh anyone's used to seeing when it comes to
0: canadian men's soccer
2: um canadian women's soccer different different story had to get that little dig in quick but uh that, that's fine um, yeah, okay. when Canadian <laughs> there you go different topic different day no look uh, it, canada showed a lot in this world cup i don't think that there's any question that on paper at least canada is now i think to me and, and i'm biased clearly but i, I think they prove that they're probably the third most talented team in the region i'm still going to put the us and, and mexico above them clearly um mexico looks like they're in a bit of a funk right now so we're not sure what that's about but uh the u.s you know to win this tournament with the roster that they put out there shows what kind of depth you have and and what kind of danger that you can have you have put the, the the this disappointment of the last campaign behind you and, and i think that those two teams and you know, i think Mexico will figure itself out and i think the u.s is looking pretty good to me to to you know to grind so particularly in a in a format that's going to require a lot of depth and, and for those guys to go and do that proved a lot and i wouldn't worry too much about was an american fan but but to get back to canada yeah look to take you know to outplay that u.s for for large parts of that game i think it's fair to say uh you know credit to the u.s for defending well but canada certainly was uh dictating play offensively and to, to take it to mexico for mexico was better I think overall, but I don't, Canada was going to itself over there. That was a football game. I, I joked at the time it was the first time Canada had ever actually played Mexico in a real game. The rest of the time it was, you know, Mexico toying with a, like a cat toying with a mouse, right? Like that was kind of what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, once in a blue moon, Mexico, or Canada might get lucky and steal one, like literally once every 20 years or so, but it didn't really look competitive in any real way. It looked competitive that night. And, you know, in fact, Canada felt quite aggrieved with the amount of uh, stoppage time they, they gave, particularly because of the way that they gained it. it, uh, you know, having GameStop for, for um, well, claims of racism. So that that's not ideal. But, uh, yeah, and it felt like it was they were a real player. Like, there was absolutely, you know, grit and, and anger and rivalry and, you know, sort of hostile crowd, which I think was good for the Canadians because the one thing that we haven't seen from this group is uh, – well, they haven't been able to play down in a a really Mm -hmm. nasty environment that they're going to see in World Cup qualifying. And, you know, the Gold Cup, even with a a pro-Mexican crowd, is not going to be quite the same, and they're playing in uh, one of the nicest stadiums in the world, so and the amenities all around that are going to be great. It's not quite like having someone setting off firecrackers outside your hotel at 3 in the morning, which is what they're going to face, right? So that's a different thing that they're going to have to do in in the fall, and they do need to prove that uh, before I, I or anyone should really proclaim them to be favored or, or likely to get to Qatar. But with this group, as I said, that bravery, that sort of belief is something that, that's new and gives me um, a lot of hope that uh, that they will find a way to at least be better than Costa Rica, Jamaica, Honduras, which are the teams really that they need to focus on because you don't have to be the best team in CONCACAF to, to get to Qatar. You only have to be the third best, and that's or fourth if you get the, the Inter- or Inter- Confederation playoff. But third would be ideal, and... That's what they have to look at. And I think that in this tournament, they were clearly the third best in my mind.
0: You know, before Canada had this fantastic uh, trip in the Gold Cup, uh, you'd have to say, and going back to 2017, I thought that they were doing very well. They had Octavio Zambrano as their manager for the men's team. And then the whole situation exploded when he was sacked Out of nowhere, and here comes John Herdman moving from the women's national team to the men's national team and everything that's been going on. I'll be honest, I thought at the time the Canadian Soccer Association made a horrible move, but I have to give John Herdman credit. I have to give him credit because what he has done with this group has given them not just belief, not just hope, but has given them direction. And I will even include the win over the U.S. at BMO Field in group play for the CONCACAF Nations League in in, uh, League A a couple of years ago. What John Herdman has done, Dwayne, has been miraculous. And it's that infectious type of manager who gives the belief the way he does and tells his boys, I believe in you go get it, go and attack it, and we will be victorious.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned the women's program, which he came from earlier. I'll mention it again here. The, the women that played under him always said that his greatest strength was his ability to, to understand them and to make them believe in their abilities and, and allow them to extend those abilities even further. And I, I was – I didn't know if it would – Translates to the men's game to be honest i really didn't uh and i, I think that because it's such a young team it, it, that's helped that translate and it certainly looks like i made a joke on twitter which i think there's an element of truth in this, this is the second joke i'm going to tell people that i made i compared him to ted lasso the real ted lasso in some ways because he's i saw that actually yeah go ahead yeah and look obviously you know he, he actually knows the sport so it's not quite the same and the, you know it's a fictional show so but uh he, he, what he does is he knows humans and he knows how to, to do that man management stuff. And, and when you're only briefly working with these guys and you're bringing them in from all over the world, I think that's key. And the, the other thing he's done very quietly um, is convince the dual nationals to come. Uh, Steven Stakio was really the breakout star in this tournament for Canada. Uh, he is fully healthy now and, and is absolutely... Brilliant. He's he's key to the, everything they do, and and when you consider that he's doing this with not the best lineup, and they got injured in that, one, which made them you know almost a B team themselves. By the time they got to that semifinal, uh, it was just remarkable to see his ability to patrol, and, and, and he he did what I think the Statue looked to me like what Bradley looked like in his prime years in in the Roma years. What is what the Statue was doing for Canada there, and that's not something they've had before. And again, when you add a Davis and a David to this. You know that's going to make this attack very dangerous. Now, obviously, we know what the weakness of Canada is. They they need to to solidify things at the back. Uh, I believe that they are probably going to take a approach of you can't score on us when we we have the ball and, and are attacking you, and that you know you got to lean into what you have. Will that work in World Cup qualifying? Well, we're going to find out soon enough. But certainly, I have a lot more confidence now than I did. You know. A month ago, or even, and certainly much more than I had a year ago, and and that's, you know, that's just being in the the conversation again is is nice, and it, it's a build. But now we've seen this, and you know, we're angry that we didn't win the gold cup. Canada's never been angry that they didn't win the gold cup before. It's never been really possible, other than the one time it happened, and that was dumb luck. If those, if anyone listening at there's old enough to remember it, there was a lot of fortune that happened in that run. Um. Oh yeah. Different now. It's much different now, and that that's and that's good to the region too I think uh you know Mexico and the u s could be pushed a little bit more, and I think if you look at the, like at Costa Rica, the Canada handled pretty easily, although they were missing players like everyone was um they look like they're kind of on a down cycle right now. I'm not sure what to think of Honduras uh El Salvador's decent, but like there's no reason again Jamaica as well they're still out a bit more when they they're in World Cup qualifying. like it's not gonna be an easy ride but to add some depth to this confederation to make it a little more competitive, to, to make these Gold Cups a little more interesting. I mean, we ended up with the final that we always end up with. But, well, I guess we shouldn't say always. It hasn't happened for three. But uh, we ended up with the final we always expect to end up with, but it, it wasn't a straight line for either this time, I think. And, and Canada certainly asked some questions in this, and, and I think that it just makes everything better. And that's no, nice no, yeah, really a in perspective. No, it really is, case, and I've, I've always, always said this. this. Go ahead. hmm No, I was just agreeing, so you continue.
0: No, I was about to say, and I've always said this, Dwayne, you know, to make this North Zone, you know, strong, obviously it's always going to be us three, Mexico, United States, and I've always told Canada has to join in. Canada's got to be strong. Canada has to really, not saying so much drive a wedge, but threaten either us or Mexico and you guys, you know, your team threatened Mexico all over the pitch. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. If not for the opening penalty goal uh in the first half stoppage time of the semifinal. And yes, I know the second one, even though it was consider it was called a foul and I mean if it was called a foul, VR says, Look, it's gotta be a penalty because it was committed inside the area, as minuscule as it was, the truth was it was inside the area. But the way that your, those guys played their butts off, their hearts out. And I'll even say it, Crepeau had a great uh, Gold Cup in goal for Canada. I, I mean, you know, tough sledding and maybe ran out of gas at the end. I don't know. But still, though, Canada's a threat now, and everyone is absolutely ecstatic that Canada is now into the mix when September rolls around one month away, Dwayne. Uh,
2: no, yeah, no, I, I'm aware. Um, we don't know quite know where the games are yet either. That's another issue, although it is looking more and more like they're, they're going to get clearance from the Canadian government and uh, the games, I've been told, will be in that uh, field, the, uh, the first two anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's like I said, you you got to be careful. I, I'm old enough to remember 2000 again, and I remember uh, the Holger, the coach at the time, you know, that everyone was playing it up. And, oh, my God, the qualifying started immediately after. And, you know, he been, him being German, he's very blunt. He was, well, this isn't the Canadian Gold Cup team. This is the Canadian World Cup team. And we need to prove it. We haven't done anything. We just won this tournament. And, you know, he saw the same thing everyone else did that was paying attention, that it wasn't that dominant. And sure enough, that team really struggled in the qualifying. So I will feel much better after I see them and much more confident in what they can do after I see them play a game on the road in this region. But I do... Again, have confidence more than ever before that this group doesn't—they're not going to give up. They're not going to lie down, and they've done that in the past when they've gone down there. They're not going to win every game. Clearly, they will lose some games in the qualifying, and but I think that they have the mental strength to to rebound from that. And you know, if they have a tough one on the road, uh, if they you know have a game like they did against the U.S. where they you know, outplayed for large stretches and couldn't find the goal, they're, they're not going to put their head down like they have, and they're going to come back and they're going to give themselves a chance to. To, to get the next points they are just going to move forward and you know because there are eight teams this isn't the hex this is the auk uh that leaves you with a little more room for for error in it particularly when half of them are going to move on to another stage uh but that said you know they are the unknown in this group everyone else has had more recent uh, uh high level late in this uh competition uh experience so we'll see but you know, yeah. Again, I mean, the other thing, last thought on that. It's the same point again. I, I, what impressed me the most about them in this entire tournament was how they rebounded from that quick goal against the, Ameri- against by the, the Americans, that first-minute goal. That To come out like that against a team that has had your numbers for years, that game in uh, 2019 aside, uh, you know, that you get in your head for them to put their head up and play and at times outplay the U.S. for re- the rest of that game, to me that said everything you need to know about them. They, they're going to compete hard. And when they do that, I, they have an absolute chance to get top four, for sure, and, and top three, perhaps.
0: Well, that's the most important thing. We'll see what happens. Uh, two questions for you real quick. Uh, how is Alfonso Davies? I know he suffered that injury in training before the Gold Cup started. Um, I believe it was an ankle issue. How is he doing? And how amazing is it to see Tejon Buchanan, who has really come on fire, in MLS play for the Revolution under Bruce Arena, and he's translated that from the Revs to Canada in this Gold Cup tournament, including the equalizer against Mexico in the semifinals. Yeah, he,
2: you don't know. I, I said Astacli was a breakout star. I mean, if you knew the sport, you'd know who Stacky was. Of. But Buchanan, you know, for sure, and he's generating lots of interest overseas, and that's something that, you know, the Revs are going to have to figure out what they want to do with. And I suspect he will finish the season there because New England, as we all know, has never won an MLS Cup, and they have a real chance this year. So, so he will, especially if they play all their home games on the, or all their playoff games in that awful field. So there you go. But, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's been great. And, and I, what I love about uh, Buchanan's story, too, is he's kind of a, a product of the development system that sort of emerged in this country over the last uh, 10 years or so where, where they, they now have, you know, that elite semi-pro level that they never had before. He came through that. Uh, kind of a different way forward he, he wasn 't you know w- in one of the three MLs academies, which is the past has been all that they did it 's just a story of how this country's finding ways to produce you know players in different ways now too, and that 's going to be key moving forward uh, look we 're a smaller nation than the u s and Mexico. Uh, our history in this sport is what it is we 're probably never going to to consistently be the top team or near the top teams in this region, but this country also has the resources and and the love of the sport, frankly, it is a very popular sport, especially amongst young people, to to be more a lot more competitive than what they've been. And this group is showing that. And, and it's you know, as someone who has loved this program since he was a child, it's amazing to see. It's amazing to see this success, success, and you know, it, it's good times forward and. 26 is on the agenda. We know, I think, that Canada's play has, has given them that call. I don't think it was a sure thing that we're going to give Canada a spot. Uh, I, I've joked before that Alfonso Davies scoring, oh, not scoring, but getting that great assist in the Champions League against Chelsea, uh, you know, with the world watching was the moment Canada actually qualified for the 2026 World Cup because they knew that they needed that kid in it. So, but they, yeah, to get to this one is just like, it's, it's the equivalent of
0: the U.S. getting
2: to 90 is what it is. So it, it's, a, it's a vital uh, few months coming up here.
0: No, it really is, and it's going to be a a fun time to watch, and that's the one thing I'm hoping for with this confederation. It's uh, not just a two-team race that everyone's growing up, and everyone's going to be competitive, and everyone is going to do a lot better, and I want to see that within the region. And uh, we all know there's not a lot of strong Caribbean sides, but the hope is that in the Caribbean zone, well, it's not just Jamaica. Could be Saint Kitts and Nevis. You know, Haiti gets stronger, like they once were a long time ago. Trinidad and Tobago, they have to fix their own issues, of course, uh, to get back to becoming a, some form of a power down there that they used to be a long time ago. But still, though, um, to see this region growing and becoming even better, um, I'm very happy to see it, and I'm very happy it's getting more and more competitive by the cycles going forward. Um, anything else about Canada, Dwayne, that uh, is making you happy? And yes, I do remember the 2000 Gold Cup final. I watched it at the time on Univision, how uh, Canada beat guest team Colombia. Isn't it funny, Dwayne, how you have Brazil, Colombia, and Qatar, and those guest teams, they went deep enough, but they never, ever stole the confederational title away from CONCACAF teams uh in these gold cups
2: yeah, I know when the Qatar-US game, particularly when Qatar got that penalty, which was one of the worst penalties I've ever seen taken in my life. But anyway, uh, when they got that, I was thinking to myself, well, it's Canada the last time they won. They played the guest team in the final, so here we go. This is destiny turned out not the way. Too bad there's not a third-place game. Um, Korea also went to a third-place game, too. So There's another guest team that went deep, but they they weren't able to get it done. And that was just before they uh, they you know opened the eyes to the world at their own World Cup. So... Yeah, look, I don't like the guest teams in it. Uh, you know, in terms of what's making me happy about Canada, you know, scratching 20-year itches helps at 4 in the morning, but uh, that's my second dig, so I'll leave you
0: alone now. Yep, exactly. And I don't blame you at all. So listen, Dwayne, I'll talk to you next time. Uh, enjoy your evening, and uh, enjoy the rest of the TFC season. Hopefully uh, things will get better for them, and uh, hopefully will have you back on again uh, before the uh, octagonal Uh, The Octagon gets underway. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute Blog. Soccer Today with Kevin Laramie, part of the Sports Podcasting Network up in Canada. And hopefully the Canadian government will allow those home matches to be played. Either it be in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, It should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. And once again, it will be a full month before we get underway on Thursday night, September the 2nd. Once again, the schedule for the U.S. men's national team uh, for World Cup qualifying a September 2nd at El Salvador. I understand there might be some issues playing a home match there due to some unrest or the COVID situation in El Salvador. They might have to play that match in the States. That's just a rumor, not a fact. I'm not sure. Uh, the second match will be at home. First home match against Canada on Sunday, September the 5th at 8 o'clock Eastern. And that will be played at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. Then they go on the road on Wednesday, September the 8th at Honduras, waiting for the time there. And then, of course, October matches the 7th, which is on a Thursday. The U.S. men's national team will be taking on Jamaica at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And that will be in Austin, Texas at the Q2 Stadium. Then they travel to Panama on October the 10th on Sunday. And then on uh, Wednesday, October the 13th, The U.S. men's national team will be hosting Costa Rica. This is officially at Lower.com Field in Columbus, Ohio, downtown Columbus, Ohio. I know it's not on the schedule right now on U.S. Soccer's website, but it is official. The U.S.A. will be hosting Costa Rica in Columbus, Ohio. And then the two matches in November, on Friday night, November the 12th, they're going to be hosting Mexico at the TQL Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. And then on Tuesday, November the sixteenth, the United States will be in Jamaica, in Kingston, at the office. Time will be finding out sooner, uh, hopefully soon. And then in January, on the twenty-seventh, on Thursday, the U.S. Men's National Team will be hosting El Salvador. January thirtieth, they'll be facing Canada in Canada on Sunday. And then on Tuesday, February, excuse me, Wednesday, February the second, the U.S. Men's National Team will host Honduras. Then the remainder of the qualification matches in March. The USA will be at Mexico at the Estadio Azteca on Thursday, March the 24th. Sunday, March the 27th, they'll be hosting Panama, location unknown at this moment, and then they'll be finishing it up at the National Stadium in San Jose, Costa Rica, taking on Costa Rica on Wednesday, March the 30th, and hopefully it won't come to that match down in San Jose. Costa Rica, Uh, we will wait and see what the situation will be heading over there. My intro monologue, I was going to discuss this situation with you, but because of what Greg Barhalter did and what the U.S. men's national team did against Mexico, again, with a 1-0 victory to win the 2021 CONCACAF Gold Cup. I decided to hold off my little rant until now. And I am, again, upset and angry that this narrative has returned. I was upset and angry that this narrative from U.S. soccer returned this situation. But at the same time, I'm also unnerved that Greg Berhalter had to chime in into this. It has to be said, because I'm not happy that Greg Berhalter said this. And once again, this is going back to the last World Cup qualification cycle. But the United States did not qualify for the World Cup for Russia in 2018. What was the issue? What is the issue that so many people are, and including Greg Burhalter are discussing? Well, the issue was having a World Cup qualifier from uh, the 2018 qualifying cycle going to Red Bull Arena when the United States hosted Costa Rica. Halter had to throw his two cents in to say it was a mistake to host a World Cup qualifying home match at Red Bull Arena. And the article came from Michael Lewis of frontrowsoccer.com Michael Lewis as you know has been on my show in the past talking about not just soccer in New York in New York City and New York State but also covering the world game and the US men's and women's national teams Now once again once again It has to be said. You're talking about a mistake was made to host a World Cup qualification match at Red Bull Arena near the greatest city in the world. The glitz and glamour of New York City on the other side of the Hudson River. everyone coming over by PATH train, by bus, by car, New Jersey Transit going from New York Penn Station to Newark Penn Station, and then taking the PATH train to the Harrison Station, one stop. Still being told that was the mistake, because why? Because the Costa Rican fans filled up the stadium. Now, yours truly was there at Red Bull Arena. Yours truly was there to cover that match for SB Nation, Once a Metro, and of course for this show, the Forestines Fire American Soccer Show. Here is the quotes from Greg Berhalter by Michael Lewis, who was on the Zoom call. We took a hard look at all the venues and think one thing that was important was going, excuse me, that was important was we're going to need every venue that we play in to have an absolute rocking crowd. Okay? We feel like we made some mistakes in the last qualifying cycle, particularly in the Costa Rica game. Not having a crowd that was 100% U.S., and that's going to be extremely important. When I look at, you know, some of the venues were chosen already and will continue to announce. I think, it's, it, it, I think it fits perfectly into what we're talking about. Cincinnati, in particular, has a good capacity stadium, brand new stadium. I think it's going to be a, fast, a fantastic venue to compete against Mexico. Now, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Okay? I understand. I completely understand how, excuse me, you want a pro-American crowd. Nobody wants that more than I do. I don't care where it's put. Our nation's capital, Atlanta, Miami, Orlando. New York, Boston area of Foxborough, Massachusetts, St. Louis, Minneapolis and Minnesota, Los Angeles, Seattle, Portland, Sacramento, Rancho Cucamonga, Walla Walla Washington I don't care but I am upset and angry upset and angry that Red Bull Arena is being picked on oh because half the crowd and I was there like I said half the crowd was Costa Ricans and the other half was Americans it was a 50-50 crowd why were the Costa Ricans more vocal than the American crowd part at Red Bull Arena? It's really simple. The players did not care. I don't care what anyone says. Outside of Pulisic and Dempsey and Tim Howard, Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore, and the other players gave up. They did not care. You want the Costa Ricans to stay quiet? Then you go out and you put the ball in the back of the net. Plain and simple. Excuse me. I'm getting sick and tired of hearing about Red Bull Arena being picked on because it was not a full American crowd. If you are playing at a stadium that is in the New York, New Jersey area and you are expecting to go out and win at home. Go out and do a damn job. The truth is this, ladies and gentlemen. The Costa Ricans did nothing in that match until until the first goal was in. When they scored the first goal of the match, that's when the Costa Ricans were loud. And that's when they were chanting and screaming. And then when the second goal came in, the Costa Ricans knew the match was in hand. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Our players did not perform at the level they should have. And those same players that's supposed to be leaders on that national team with Josie Altidore and Michael Bradley said it was a mistake to play the game here at Red Bull Arena. Don't we in the New York City, New Jersey area deserve a World Cup qualifier? Apparently we don't. Because New York City is the United Nations of the United States of America. They keep saying to me, the UN... Is on First Avenue and 42nd Street. No, that's just a bunch of political hacks. Politicking for their governments, for their, for their nations. To be better. The real United Nations is the five boroughs of New York City. Whether it be Staten Island, the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan. Areas of northeastern New Jersey like in Bergen County. I'm sorry. That excuse can only go for so long. That excuse does not jive with all of us in this nation. You did not care for the qualification cycle of 2018. You gave up. You played like crap. You didn't show up against Costa Rica at Red Bull Arena And you failed to show up on the road at Trinidad and Tobago when all you needed was one single freaking point. And for Greg Berhalter, a New Jersey native himself from Tenafly, New Jersey, a New Jersey native himself, to say what he said, absolutely flat out wrong you you know you should be grateful that the New York Red Bulls have their own stadium in Harrison or else the Red Bulls will be still at the Meadowlands playing at MetLife and all that beautiful governmental red tape from the state of New Jersey and from the schmuck who was running the Meadowlands at that time would still be throwing the red tape in the court system. Zoffinger would still be begging for the Red Bulls to build that stadium on Meadowlands land. They don't want that. They want it in Harrison, and that's where they got it. They wanted to build a soccer community that's already in a soccer hotbed next to another town like Kearney where there is soccer history in this country. It makes me mad and it makes me angry that the man who's considered the head coach of the U.S. men's national team has to go along with the stupid rhetoric, we don't want it anywhere in New York City. You know what? Tough. Tough tough. I don't care if you don't want a big boy team to play against the U.S. at Red Bull Arena. You want to have El Salvador play against the U.S., have it there. But I want everyone to understand something here. I want everyone to understand something here. And I'm going back Way, way back. Way, way back. And this is when MLS was still playing in NFL football stadiums. You know, all the way back, In two thousand one, on Labor Day weekend, september the first, at RFK Stadium, Bruce Serena, the head coach of the US Men's national team, wanted a pro USA crowd at at RFK, Honduras. What happened in that match besides the loss? To Honduras, three goals to two, with Ernie Stewart scoring both goals. The majority of the crowd that were Americans were supposed to be in the lower bowl, and the Hondurans were supposed to be in the upper bowl. And what happened? It backfired, because 75% of RFK that game was Honduran. I should know I was there. I was at RFK Stadium with my longtime school friend, his friends, saw Ernie Stewart scoring the opening goal, Honduras scoring the next three goals, two in the first half, one in the second half. Ernie Stewart getting a lucky bounce off the rip, below the crossbar and over the goal line to make it 3-2. And then, walking back to the D.C. Metro Subway Station at the Armory RFK Station stop. Going back to my parents, who they were going to meet a friend of my mother's, and they're asking me, how was the game? And they lost. Lost the World Cup qualification game. And thinking to myself, we're not going to qualify for Korea and Japan. This is the stupid games our coaches play. As much respect as I have for Bruce Arena, that game, that edict, and what he did before the game against Trinidad and Tobago where he says, I'd like to see some of the big boys in Europe come over here and try to qualify for the World Cup in CONCACAF. Those two situations should never have happened. And as great as Bruce Arena is, as a genius as Bruce Arena is, sometimes, in a rare moment, his mouth and his brain gets him in trouble. I want everyone to understand. You want a pro-USA crowd? I have no problem with it. You want it predominantly American fans? I have no problem with that. That's fine. But there's a difference between, oh my God, we're going to lose out on the uh, crowd level because there's more Costa Ricans than Americans, or you tell your players to go out and play your damn asses off, and you tell them to fix their hearts, bring in their passions, go out, dominate your damn game. But that's what they didn't do. Because if they would have done that, if they would have done that, that's a win in the States, and maybe it doesn't get to the last game of the hex for 2018 cycle. This is why I get mad. This is why I get angry. It's an excuse. It's not an excuse. Crowd issue is not an excuse. Do your damn job. Do your damn job, no matter how many people are rooting for the opposition, and shut them up. I mean, everyone in Europe knows when it's England versus whoever, and the match is being played at Wembley, there will be a section at Wembley that will be made for visiting fans of the opposition. Whether it be the Germans, the Italians, the French, the Spaniards, Scots, the Irish, the Northern Irish, the Welsh, the Romanians, the Hungarians, the the Maltons, the Norwegians, the Swedes, the Finns, the Danes, There will always be visiting fans coming to your hometown stadium to support their nation and to support their team, praying to God they qualify for the World Cup. This is what I'm talking about. Don't give us excuses. Don't whine about it. It happened. It was crap. The performance was screwed up. We don't need to hear it over and over and over again. And for that man to be a New Jersey native himself in Bergen County and his brother, who was part of U.S. soccer until he left, I'm sorry to say this. And even though Greg Berhalter did the amazing thing, beating Mexico for two CONCACAF championship finals in the Nations League in June, the Gold Cup, last night on August the 1st, I hate to be a downer, but I am extremely upset and extremely frustrated and angry that Greg Berhalter had to stick his nose into this business that was not involving him you were managing the columbus crew you stayed in columbus until you felt it was appropriate for yourself to follow now i'll take over the national team i don't want to leave columbus until my columbus mls season's over with you can have an interim head coach it's okay i don't care i'm sorry greg but you're wrong in this one flat out wrong I praised you, Greg Berhalter, for what you've done against Mexico this season. For U.S. soccer, you've done an amazing job without any shadow of a doubt, and I hope you do get us qualified for the World Cup in Qatar. But your remarks about having a World Cup qualifier at Red Bull Arena against Costa Rica where it should never have been played, I'm sorry. You are out of line. Me, being a native New Yorker, transplanted to Teaneck, New Jersey, my Bronx is up, mister. I'm not happy. Not happy for the quotes that you gave out. You want to say we want to have a home field advantage? That's fine. I don't care. You want to go to a place where you feel you're going to get the majority of the crowd, red, white, and blue, All-Americans? That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. This is what I want, too. I want to see every single soccer stadium in this country made for the game. If you have to play it at an NFL stadium, so be it. Okay. But... Do not make soccer fans upset when there is an excuse being transcribed here. And that's what it is. An excuse. I hate it. I don't like it. You should be ashamed of yourself being a native of New Jersey. An American soccer coach. Okay? Don't do it again, whether you like it or not. Don't do it again. Because that is not fair. You are not held responsible for that debacle. Bruce Arena and Jurgen Klinsmann were, because that was a debacle of epic proportions. Don't include yourself in it, Greg. You've done a great job so far. Don't go there. Don't. All right, everybody. And now uh, recapping the Red Bulls match against New England Revolution. They've had a lead twice, lost it, lost the lead twice, and then uh, lost the match by a final of three goals to two. What can you say? Um, Injuries have been the biggest part so far for this Red Bulls team. Um, It's still a young team, and attacking-wise, they've been bringing the ball up well. They've been doing well most of the time. But the problem is they have not scored more than two goals in each match whenever they have been able to convert chances. Um, Patrick Lamala had an injury, and hopefully he'll be okay for Wednesday night against FC Cincinnati. And then, of course, they'll be traveling to the Windy City to take on Chicago on Sunday evening, uh, this upcoming Sunday. But once again, this coming Wednesday, 8 o'clock Eastern time, u s excuse me um Red bull's hosting f c Cincinnati um look New England is a well run club once again Bruce arena is the captain of well run clubs he's done an amazing job so far with the revolution uh with his so far um three year tenure with the club or two and a half year tenure with the club, and as always Bruce arena knows what he's doing, knows who to bring over, knows the talent, knows what to do and how to get it out of his players. And, um, you know, look, hell of a goal by Wiki Carmona, got it, blasted it probably 20 to 21 yards away uh, into the back of the net, beat Brad Knighton. And then, of course, uh, the goals were coming from New England, made it 1-1, Fabio, I would say it was a half swing, but still, though, he got enough of it to beat Knighton to let it trickly roll into the back of the net, completely over the goal line, to make it 2-1, and then, of course, um, set-piece killed him to make it 2-2, and then, of course, Adam Buxa with the big goal to make it 3-2. The three big boys, you might say, uh, getting involved. Gustavo bow making it 1-1, Uh fantastic cross by Carlos Heel to Brandon by to make it two, two. And then books in the beginning of second half stoppage time to make it three, two. And the Red Bulls have can't get uh, the result at home and already complaints by the supporters, by love you guys at the South Ward as always. But let me just say this right now. It's still a young team. We have tons of injuries right now on the back line, especially at center back. Tom Edwards is doing a yeoman's job, you know, a, a, a solid job of doing his best playing center back. The problem is is that for New England, their attacking players are taller than him, and he cannot mark them strongly enough until they get a taller center back to block these shots that turns into goals for the opposition. they're going to get pounded deep in the area on set pieces so until then. You're just going to have to handle it, and you're just going to have to basically take it, whether you like it or not. You're already bitching on Klamala? Fine. You're a bitching on Fabio and the midfield and whoever? Fine. Go ahead. But you're aiming your anger at the wrong situation, Red Bull supporters. It is the injury situation that has hampered this club. No Aaron Long for the entire season. No Sean Nealis, No Andreas Reyes. It is right now Amro Tarek and Tom Edwards at center back. We've got to give time to Kevin Selwell to go out and get a center back in the transfer window as quickly as he can to fix this leaky problem. Until then, you're just going to have to deal with it. You're just going to have to take care of it and you're just going to have to handle it in that way. Other than that, I thought the Red Bulls did a decent job. The result was not there, but I thought they played well, but unfortunately ran out of gas and ran out of healthy bodies. That ball out of the net against the tall, attacking players of New England. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank my guests tonight. Boston Brazel, Cincinnati Soccer Talk, Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute Blog, Soccer Today show with Kevin Laramie and the Sport Podcasting Network. My name is Daniel Foyerstein. Join me this coming Friday night, the NPSL Soccer Show Championship Weekend, Cleveland SC, Denton Diablos. Should be a lot of fun. Should be exciting. Cannot wait. Take care so long and bye-bye for now. And as always, please enjoy your football. Have a good night, everybody.